like every performance I've ever had that I was proud of. There's only a couple, but they're the performances I'm really proud of. Like I wasn't thinking at all. It was almost like out of body experience. You're completely in the zone. Everyone you meet every single day is fighting a battle you may know nothing about. We're all in the process of overcoming. I'm Justin Wren, and my story has been heard by millions of people through my book, my TED Talk, podcast interviews, TV shows, professional fighting, and my foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. I believe we are all overcomers if we choose to overcome. We all have the option. I've been given the opportunity to overcome childhood trauma, sexual abuse, immense bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use disorder, and I am a two-time suicide survivor. We are here to have conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time. Get ready to be inspired and to receive the tools and game plan to win this fight called life. Thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself. You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. I'm not done yet, and neither are you. This is your invitation to overcome. 555. I love that. Oh, wait, do it again, do it again, do it again. Sorry, this is the one. I always visualize at 555. I don't know. Do you really? If I see 444-555, I always, like, I'll be in the middle of, like, a restaurant or the club or wherever we're at, and, like, I just stand up and just... It's still, it's still five five five. There you're doing it right in. now. I love it. What does five 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 mean to you? It's kind of an angel number, magic number. Yeah. Well, anytime I see like eleven eleven or five 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 or four four four, it's just like a reminder. I just, visual, I just like I use it as a reminder to visual, visualize. I'm not like super big on like a lot of the woo woo stuff, but it's like you know, it's just like I just think visualizing is good. And so if yeah. I see that, I just use it as a cue. I just take it as a sign, like two 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 three 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 four 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 five five whatever you know, yeah. like. 11-11, I'm just like, hits. I just stop what, I, what, well, what I'm a, doing. What a great time to start the show then. It's perfect. It's meant to be. And Amy loves 555. Yeah, it's a great That's number. Hers. Five's a great In number. particular, I like In particular. Oh, specifically? He likes them all. But yeah. yeah. I like them what, all. what is it about 555? That... I like the number five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have a story about 11-11. So it. my national championship, I was going to sleep and I was I was the underdog. No one, yeah. no one counted. I was Texas wrestling, started at 15. And I was tossing and turning a bit for, I don't know, an hour or maybe 90 minutes. I, try, I, I think I try to go to bed at 10. And I roll over and I look at the clock and I'm, I'm visualizing the wrestling match. We're in the finals. Yeah. And so I look over the clock. It's 11-11. And I'm like, I'm going to win this thing. Like, yeah, time to go yeah. to sleep. So I went to sleep. We're supposed to be on the bus at 10, maybe 10.30. But guys were still cutting weight. Yeah. And so um, a guy was late. And I step on the bus, and for some reason I look at my phone, and it was eleven eleven, and I'm like, "Yeah, good omen." Going going to the arena in the bus at eleven eleven, and then end up, uh, yeah, winning that national championship, and so, I, so I, it's it's been special to me ever since then. That's very cool. Yeah, I like um, I'm more of an even number guy, but like I'm much more of an even number guy. But I feel like five is the most even odd number. Like you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> something about my OCD, like, like yeah. something about my OCD completely accepts five as like yeah. a- it hits 10, it, 20, yeah, 25, right. 30. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then like, and then like one, obviously one is like- Number one. It's just perfectly symmetrical. Like I love it. It's just everything about it. Like just I, my OCD just loves it. Like <laughs> yeah. it's perfect. Do you think OCD at all helps with fighting? Being almost like obsessive mm, about the technique. Yeah, I think it, I think it's both. You know, it's like I think there's a. It's just like anything else. Like there's a point of diminishing returns, and I felt both things. Like I've gotten more reps than anybody in the room, on a certain technique because, like at home, because I I can't stop till it's perfect. You know, um, 
I, I can't stop. I literally have to, I asked my coach, was that the one? Was that the one? Was that the one? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're honest with me, you know, like, nah, that wasn't the best one. Like we have to finish on the best one, you know? And, um, my coaches have kind of come to accept it. They just know like if the mid sessions from 11 to 12, we're going to be there till like 1207 because <laughs> like, we're going to run that last combo until it's perfect. And like, till it feels perfect until they say it's the one. And I feel like it's the one. And so, yeah, it does help with getting extra reps and it does help being a perfectionist, but, um, you know, just like anything else, point of diminishing returns. Like if you don't shut that off, you know, if you have that, like when you're fighting, you have to be an autopilot. Like you can't have those. If you're thinking and you're probably overthinking, if you're overthinking, then you're doubting. And if you, it's all these things, like you have to be like every performance I've ever had that I was proud of. Um, there's only a couple, but they're the performances I'm really proud of. Like I wasn't thinking at all. It was almost like out of body experience. You're completely in the zone. Um, every time in the my, flow, in the flow state, yeah. And and every time, I'm I'm thinking and I'm being uh, compulsive and stuff. Like it, you know, I I have to shut it down or it will you know it will get in the way of performing at your best. Mm-hmm. You know. So I think it's both things. It's like it's it's if if you it's just like anything else. If you use it as fuel, then yeah, it's good. But if you kind of you know, the brain is a good servant and a bad master. You know what I mean? Ooh, yeah. I like that. I, like I wish I could say I came up with it. Someone did. And I stole it from them. <laughs> Shamelessly. Anything I, any wisdom I drop I, today, um, not that it's going to happen, but if it happens, I stole it shamelessly from someone else. Yeah. yeah. And I just pretend it's mine. Well, where do you think a lot of your wisdom comes from? Is it uh, stealing? Stealing and, oh, yeah. and coaching? Steal, yeah. Maybe? Good artists. Good, good, good artists. Good artists uh, borrow. Great artists steal, right? Yeah. Warhol said that. Uh-huh. Every time Every time I learn anything. Steal like uh, an artist. Have you read that guys, book? No. Oh, it's Austin Cleon. He like lives here in Austin, as really? a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Really? It's I good. think there's a lot of good minds and creative people in Austin. Yeah. yeah. I love this place. But yeah, yeah. I, I steal shamelessly. Like, when I – and I, I make a joke about it. Like, I, I love it. Like, I still – like, I'll learn something. Like, it's a joke. Like, we, I make it when I train with – I came down here to train with the Donner guys. And when I train with them, like, I'll learn something for the first time. And the first time I do it, I'll just stop and go, yeah, you know, it's – Something me and John been working on a little bit. Like I'll pretend that it's our <laughs> thing, but it's like I just, I just like stole this technique. Yeah, from well, ten minutes ago. Yeah, you know? I think you told John whenever we learned something today together because yeah. um, you came and Amy. I was training with the uh, the two other big boys in the room. Uh, I got big old boy from Tennessee, like two hundred fifty pounds. Another guy from South Africa, like over two hundred pounds. But Andre walked on the mats and he had just finished the MMA training, so he got four four and a half hours of straight training. Yeah. And uh, he came up and grabbed me. And Andre, what what weight are you? Uh, Probably like right a now? buck seventy right now. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, you know. Wait, hold on. Let me see that camera. Yeah, it's. Eh. It's a good bicep. 70 something. Strength? Yeah, right. Okay. No, um, I'm probably like 60. I'm somewhere between 68 and 71. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Came and grabbed a guy 100 pounds bigger than him to to do the drilling. Yeah. And it was fun. It was uh, fun, I've, yeah. We've really hit it off, man. And I, I'm just so grateful for you. We got Dude, to go to the fights. Feelings mutual. It was awesome. I've been a big fan of yours for, for many, many years. Thank you. Um, yep, same. 2013 was your debut in the UFC. Yeah, I don't like to talk about it. That's crazy. So long ago, it's crazy to think I've been doing this so long. Yeah, um, I mean, but I'm fortunate. I'm blessed. Like I had a, I basically, I feel like I've grown up in the UFC. Like my career, mm-hmm. my career has. You started been, in 09. I went pro in 2009, like early 09. Um, I wanted to go pro right at 18 in 08. I don't remember what happened. Like I remember, get, I remember graduating high school. I was 17, and I was like ready to go pro because in California um, they didn't. Uh, I think like six months or eight months after I went pro they California finally made amateur MMA legal so I had like 
two smokers with like black the gym like blacked out the windows and you're like Ooh. fighting in some sketchy gym you know i had like two of those and i was like whatever dude i'm i'm just gonna go pro like i'm gonna make some money um because mma is weird at the at the early pro level you might be fighting a guy out of the crowd it's like technically a pro fight but it's like you never you know you could be fighting another stud kid or you could be fighting a guy out of the crowd or you could be fighting it's such chaos that i was like man if i'm gonna do this like i'm getting paid like i want to just fast track i want to be in the ufc and so um i went pro at i went pro what i felt like was late at 19 and 09 and then i got in the ufc at 23 um and now I, i'm turning 32 in like a week so i'm like yeah. it's crazy to think man what do you think I would. I wonder what the data says, but what do you think the average UFC career is? I don't know. I, I know mine's wise pretty, or fight wise. I know that mine is, is pretty on long. the long. And the long other thing end. is, I, I had a lot of fights before I got in the UFC mm -hmm. too. Like some guys get in the UFC at six and one. I was like, after my first UFC win, I was like thirteen and one. Like I had fought everybody in the division. I I'd fought everybody in my region. I was going up from one forty five to one seventy to challenge the one seventy champ, because um, I was just doing anything to get. Dated it like eyes on me, like to sign me. So, um, and actually, it would have been crazy. the 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 champ at the time for for the promotion that I was in um, at 170 is Max Griffin, who's now a 170 pounder in the UFC. He's like a right, really gnarly dude. So, yeah, it would have been interesting for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, I had a blast. Um, us going to the fights together. We were up in the suites. Then we were down on the front row. Yeah. We were sitting with your girl Melissa yep, and Uriah and Joseph Benavidez. Yeah. And what a night of fights for for Austin! Yeah, it was incredible, man. Everybody, I mean, everybody. The I think what it tied the most knockouts mm. for one night, like for a UFC record. Um, it broke the record in the gate. Oh, really? Uh, for the U.S. No shit. It was the all-time grossing gate. Um, oh. It was like Whoa. close to two million dollars. Wow. Um, it was a pretty packed house. Huh? It was. It was. Yeah, I. Um, that was a, it's a brand new arena too. They said, right? Yeah, yeah it's really new. cool. Um, the Moody Center. Yeah, the Moody Center yeah. at UT, and also I think it's the Austin prices too that probably helped the gate. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's right. now like LA, like yeah. uh, expensive. That's valid. But um, it was having Joe here doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome seeing yeah. him in the crowd, not commentating. Yeah, he was chilling. It yeah, up. man. He's a he's a what a he's an American hero, dude. <laughs> we need that guy. To, he's he's the man. Um, it was very cool. The whole night was perfect, and I mean, it sounds shallow but the biggest thing is that all my friends won their fight so i could actually enjoy it you know because it's like man you can have an awesome night of fights like that and you know one of your friends comes up short and it kind of just ruins the whole fighting is fighting is very like feast and famine it's very high high very low lows and so you almost can't enjoy the rest of your night when your friend if your friend loses a fight and thankfully all three of my friends that were on the card uh performed incredibly who yeah. were uh ricardo ramos had this yep. sick spinning, spinning back, back elbow. elbow yeah nasty uh cody Stamen looked like a monster mm -hmm. and then josh emmett uh main went to event. war yeah main event went to war with uh uh calvin cater and um both those guys you know had an incredible fight but uh josh ended up getting the win which yeah. I, th I felt he deserved yeah um but again we were talking about this i'm so biased like if my friends are fighting like doesn't like my friends could get 10 aided like my friends could be my friends could get their ass whooped the whole round and i'll still make the argument like wow well, maybe you know like <laughs> i can't watch my friends fight if you ask if my friends fighting and you ask me if they won the round the answer is yes like i just can't <laughs> i'm so biased so 
going at the end of that Josh Emmett fight, which was a war, I I was like confident that he was up like three to two or four to one, and everybody around me was like, I don't know, man, might be. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, like it's not even close. And then, then you hear that split decision. You're like, oh my god, they're gonna rob this man. Like, please don't, please don't steal half my friend's money. Like, please. Yeah. You know. And yeah. Thankfully, and, it worked out. Yeah, for sure. It was a war, an absolute war. It was fun to for me because. You know, I don't know Josh well, and for me to sit with all the people that love him, you know, that yeah. was, uh, explain that a little bit for the the people listening that don't know what that's like. I mean, compare it to you going in and fighting, and then a guy like Josh going in and fighting, so when you know love, and you want to win, but the difference in emotions. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, fighting is always a, like a high, it's always high emotion, it's high energy, there's a lot on the line, you know, it's not... There's a reason when guys get in the cage that like, you hug your cornerman. Like that doesn't happen in other sports because like there's real consequence. There can be real real consequences for for what happens in that cage. And so, um, yeah, it's nerve wracking to watch people you love and care about fight because you're you have no control. Mm. Um, when you go do this thing that that objectively is pretty crazy, you know, like a lot of uh, it's a it's a it's a very intense experience for someone to go through. Um, and even as a fighter, it's, it's always still intense. It's not like it doesn't get less intense. Each time you do it, you're still like, you know, you still have those feelings. Um, but when you're, when you're the one fighting, you, you can harness those feelings and you can, you can have some amount of control over what happens because you're the one that is, is going into the fire. And when it's your friend, you're, you're kind of helpless. You're just, you have to just watch and hope for the best. And yell a lot and hopefully he hears you or maybe you see something and you give him a, a little bit of encouragement that helps but but you know really it's 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 all on him you know and and fighting obviously to people on the outside fighting is a is a individual sport and and that's true to a certain degree but you know every person you see in the cage has obviously people has people that love them has family has friends but has an entire team of people that help them get to that point and are invested in them and and you know so you don't want to see your friend get hurt you don't want to see your friend um let an opportunity slip you don't want to see all your friends hard work not come to fruition you know and that that's um yeah there's a, there's there's pretty dire consequences for that for what happens in the cage and so there's just this intense stress when your friends are fighting and you can't do anything about it and it's you got to sit back and just and hope for the best and thankfully it was it was our night yeah it was and it was fun to watch you because bouncing around you know looking like you're ready yeah, to get in there dude. and you know this sh shaking it out just whoo, yeah you know breathing <laughs> uh and then afterwards is like this adrenaline dump i was exhausted yeah i didn't do anything i did nothing <laughs> but i just watched my friend fight for 25 minutes and afterwards i was like oh god i gotta sit down i gotta i gotta get like give me some water i'm like going through it you know well what's neat also was seeing how loved you are by the everyone behind the scenes i mean whether it's even the refs the doctors the ufc staff the fans i mean you're just a fan favorite Thank you. and i think a promotion favorite like they know you are a good dude you always bring it You've gone to every fight as a war and competitive and you f fight against the best in the world. Yeah, I really, I mean, it means a lot. I think there's something to, there's something that I definitely, the respect of your peers, I think is a, is a something that, that um, is, is a good indicator of, of someone's character. I think when I look at other people, um, it's nice to have like adoration. Like everybody wants to be adored by fans and everybody wants to like, 
be in the spotlight and, and that's, that's part of why we do this right and and to be recognized by fans and that's amazing and, and anyone who supports me like any fan that supports me is uh is is, is i really appreciate i could genuinely appreciate it um I don't have the biggest fan base, but I have an incredibly loyal fan base and supportive fan base, and it means the world to me. Um, but on top of that, I, I really make a point to to treat people with respect, you know, and regardless of the situation. So when we're talking about um, UFC, whether we're talking about refs or UFC employees or um, people behind the scenes, it's like I've kind of grown up in this thing, you know, and I think that the way you treat people says a lot about you. And so for me... I mean, I always want to be treated with respect, so I I do my best uh, in every situation to treat people with respect, and I think that carries over. You know, people look at the UFC like it's this um, giant corporation, you know, which it is. It's this big billion dollar company, but inside of that company are these teams of these small teams of people that keep things running. Like you have your you have your you know your whatever talent relations team, and you have your social media team, and you have your logistics team, and you have all these people, and it's like they're all just people doing their best uh, to to run the biggest show, the biggest fight show in the world, you know? Um, just as like, just like fighters are under stress, like those people are under stress. And so I think a little bit of, uh, a little bit of like just friendliness and kindness and, um, and, and just respect goes a long way. You know, you see sometimes you see fighters like start to kind of think, like believe that they're really a big deal, you know? And, and it, it, I get, I get it. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but I, I, I like, I, I understand it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just think it's like not a good way to carry yourself. And I think it's important to remember that you're going to have your best moments and your worst moments in that cage. And the, the small teams of people that are helping you along the way are, uh, how they feel about you and how you treat them goes a long way. This podcast is brought to you by onit.com onit.com slash overcome. Use the code overcome to save yourself 10% on, I'm holding in my hands, the Alpha Brain Focus Shot. It's in this cool container. Amy's got the website pulled up I for do. you guys watching on YouTube. Did you drink your Focus Shot this morning? Absolutely. I, th I, I thought you did. I did too. Yeah. How do you like it? Oh my God. I feel so good. I always feel Because it's early right now energy. on a Monday. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. This is... This is one of the earliest podcasts we've done. Well, this is early for you. Early for you. <laughs> well, to, to go on the show, yeah, for sure. And it promotes focus and energy, supports a positive mood state, helps manage mental stress. And for me, I truly feel like it helps me get in the flow state faster, stay there longer. Whether I'm going into sparring, I had one before I went to sparring yesterday, and I had a four and a half hour training session because they were stacked. So I went from... 12 to 1.30 and then straight over to the gym from 2 to 4.30, 4.40. Came home tired last night, mm -hmm. but I was focused the entire time. I feel like it's very reliable about yeah. how I'm going to feel. The more I've used it, the more, doing this show, really, the more I'm able to know that when I drink it, I'm going to be on point. My brain's going to be functioning really well. I feel generally good. And that's been so nice to be able to know that it is not going to suddenly make me jittery or suddenly make me feel nauseous or whatever it is. Yeah, well, that, that for me is important because some of the products with caffeine, which this has some caffeine, but it's like plant-based and it's healthy and it's a low dose. It's not jittery bad. It's not jittery <laughs> at all. And sometimes I'll have 
you know, one of those energy drinks or something. And then I'm over caffeinated, over stimulated. And then I feel like I can't think as good That's not good. because it's, it's bothering me. Yeah. And all the alpha brain line is super reliable. The capsules, my favorites, the, one of my favorites are the instant, then the black label. And my all time favorite is what we're talking about now. The alpha brain focus shots. They're incredibly good tasting the tropical flavor. They also have peach, I believe. But mine's the tropical because it's passion fruit. And that's it delivers consistently. Fruit. And sometimes I'll take one and I'll split it between two smoothies when I make it fresh in the morning. I'll just throw a little bit in each mm-hmm. and just, just adds a little something to like our protein powder and the fruit and whatever else we've got in there. Yeah. And thank you so much on it for supporting me. My comeback to fighting, uh, fight for the forgotten and this podcast, they make it possible. So please support our sponsors who honestly I think have the best supplement line in the world. And yeah. our favorite products, Alpha Brain or Total Human, get the best in one packet uh, of morning support and a night support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with Overcome with Justin Wren and Onnit.com. Be sure to use overcome. that code. Mm-hmm. Use the code Overcome. Yep. Save yourself some money. You were so gen- generous with your time with the fans, which was so cool. I was I was grabbing people's cameras and taking pictures of them with Andre, and it was it was a lot of fun. And we got to, get to connect with uh, shout out to Sean Shelby, one of the best in the business. Yeah. Been with UFC, I think twenty years now, Forever, or close to yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, he's your matchmaker, right? Yes, and then sir, yeah. so um, you guys and him and I had a great conversation on the way back to the fighter hotel on the bus. But uh, I could just see the respect he had for you too, but also the respect you had for him. Yeah. And then maybe the biggest thing was Calvin's cornermen, right? They um, immediately after the fight, losing a split decision, like they came up to yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, you've been in the cage with him. Yeah. And then they came up to you and uh, gave you a hug. You gave them hugs. Yeah. And just that mutual respect, you know? Yeah. I think. Um... Yeah, like you said, mutual respect and just like treating people like human beings, man. Like those those guys are cool guys. Like uh, the the uh, the cartel guys, the the dudes out, the New England guys, um, Boston dudes. They're 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 cool. Um, Rob Font, uh, Calvin Cater, those those guys are they're good dudes. And um, like you said, it's just it's just a mutual respect thing. It's it's just I want my friend to win. Like I want him to win so badly that like it's it's like I I I'm losing my fucking mind, right? Like, sorry, excuse my language. I don't no, know. You're good. Kind of, I don't we, know what we, kind of show you, this you, is. You but, can say anything you want. Um, I'm losing my mind over there, but like I don't want Calvin to get hurt. You know what I'm saying? And like I understand that like this is this is the nature of of the sport. Like when when I win, I take food from someone else's kid's plate. Like that's not lost on me. You know what I'm saying? Like Calvin also has his own dream. And I, and I lost a close fight to Calvin. Like I fought Calvin his debut. Uh, I, but there's no ill will. Like, right. Like this is the sport. Like I have to take, if we're fighting, like I have to take money and, and opportunity away from you so that I can have it. It's, it's a game of scarcity. Um, and so when, when the cage doors lock, yeah, you got to like, go try to kill that dude. And then not literally, but you got to go try to like, you have to impose your will. Like you have to shut that dude's lights off. Um, as soon as it's over, it's like, man, like that's another person who's, whose dream got a big speed bump in the road tonight. Like that guy has to go home and face, uh, face people in his hometown. Like that's what people don't, they don't, they treat us like we're, a lot of fans they treat us like we're like pro wrestlers, like we're a character, like it's a gimmick. But it's like, man, we're we are 
human beings. Like you saw me have the best or worst night of my life. Like I got to go back to the coffee shop in my hometown. And like, I got to go back into the, into the, into the little shops that I go to. And I got to go back to the gym and I got to go see my little sisters. And I got to like face these people knowing that I let everybody down. And like, that's not lost on me. Like I'm very happy for my friend, Josh. I'm very happy that he gets to enjoy and we get to have this moment, but it's not lost on me that Calvin and his friends don't get to have that. And so just, just having a moment to be, to just say what's up and just give Rob Font a, a heads up and a hug and just go, yeah, like great, great fucking job. You know, like that, I, to me, that type of shit uh, goes a long way. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. On the mutual respect thing, early on in my career, I had a guy that was talking so much trash before yeah. the fight and it actually got underneath my skin. He was a Nebraska wrestler. And he was saying, because I grew up in Texas, there was, uh, you know, uh, he was a better wrestler. He would smash me. He was going to take me down. He was going to own me, control me. And so I, I didn't ha know how to trash talk. And so at the press conference, whatever, uh, interviews, I'm like, I, I guess, I guess he's the better wrestler. You know, I guess right. this, I'll, I'll, we'll see you tomorrow night. It was the first time ever, um, you know, we were watching and Kevin Holland's you know, talking yeah. in there, right, yeah. to the opponent. I've never been that way. Right. But one time I did, and it was to him. And it was just whenever I took him down, he started trying to Peterson roll, and I would yeah. name it and then and then stop it, hit him. He would start trying another move. I'd name what he's trying to do before he did it, and then uh, hit him. And then so it was it was a mind game, right, like saying, hey, I'm, I know what you're trying to do, and you're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and ended up knocking him out, finishing the fight in the first round. Nice. And... Afterwards, him and his wife came to my after party and we hung out. The I think the mutual respect, people don't, unless you've done it, you don't understand mm -hmm. that you know that human being in a different way than the majority of the population ever will yeah. know another person. 100%. And we hugged, we laughed, um, and she was talking to me about how I was naming the moves and all this stuff. Then after that fight, I decided to go to Africa for the first time. I made a post about it. Him and his wife paid for my flight to go there wow. and back. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That's his name awesome. was Josh Henry, and um, I'm really grateful for him. That's awesome. I was just like, wow. Like, that's 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 really unique Yeah. in the sport. I don't know if – I mean, maybe in the NFL when guys are making millions and millions of dollars, they might right. donate to somebody's cause or right. something like that, but – Whenever you're up and coming, you're not you're not making that you're much. Not making, you're not really, you're you're making just enough to keep training and yeah. keep food on the table and continue yeah. to fight. Really, yeah. You might even be in the hole afterwards. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so that was that was just it blew me away. And so, do you have any moments like that of um, just or or how would you say that to someone where you've gone to war against somebody, but now there's this there's this unique bond. Yeah, I think there's something, um, I, I think like when I think about that type of situation, uh, as far as unique bond or, or like a, a, a real respect, um, like I think a guy, I think about a guy like I fought Max Holloway my first, uh, there was no trash talk, like we were cool then, we're cool now. Um, I look at Max as a guy where I'm like, man, if he'd have grown up in Sacramento, I think we'd have been friends if I'd have grown up in, in Wainai, we'd be friends, you know, um. My, a bunch, my dad is actually from Waianae. I have a bunch of friends and family in that area, and um, yeah, I just, I just like, I really genuinely have a, a a love for Max as as a as a example of just being a good guy and a badass fighter. Um, and we fought my second fight in the UFC, and I, I lost a close fight to him. He caught me with the um, 
caught me in the third, like a minute left. He caught me with a really nasty high elbow guillotine. Um, and for people that might not be, you know, hardcore UFC fans, um, they, they still probably know the name Max Holloway, but yeah. he's a legend. He's a legend. Yeah, he's yeah. he's uh, he's one of the one best, of the greatest. He's one. He'll, he'll go down as one of the best featherweights uh, ever. Um, and I can't wait to win some fights so I can join him on that list. Yeah, but, there you go. Um, I love it. But he he really is something special and. We fought, uh, we fought all those years ago, twenty like almost ten years ago, um, and we've we've both continued to fight in this sport. And I just feel like there's, um, like I still root, like after our fight, like I continue to root for him. Like I'm not, there's no like bitterness or like envy or or like if when he does good, like I'm happy to see it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like there's a there's a certain thing, there's a certain thing that you get from guys when you fight that you just have a, a respect basically forever you know what i mean and there's other guys that you fight and you don't you generally don't like them and like yeah like he's a prick now he's a prick when i fought him he's like gonna be a prick in 10 years you know like there's a few of those guys but gen generally speaking most guys like that you fight afterwards there's a real you know there's a real respect for yeah and max seems like he's just such a good dude yeah great 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 very genuine yeah. yeah um yeah there's i think the vast majority of the guys i fought um losses and wins like after i beat them I, it's it's the same i feel that from other people too so um yeah man what do you what would you say because i think that the high highs and the low lows are so drastic in fighting yeah in handling losses i actually have a a, a clip i want to pull up in a minute but i want to get your take um First, because I don't, I mean, I, I take losses pretty hard, but there's some great examples of people who, who handle it in stride and come back better than ever. Even, even Cody, uh, in his win, you yeah. know, coming back from a loss that yeah. he said he felt so great for his last fight. And then he was just confused. Like right. everything at camp went perfect, right. still came up short. And then he came back and just made a statement mm-hmm. on Saturday night. But what do you think is a key to life? Uh, because because life's a fight, and to win this fight called life, you know, you need to be able to handle losses, move yeah. through them. And I think we have a unique experience. You have a unique experience because you can battle back and and show what you're made of instead of just crumbling and never trying again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean crumbling and never trying again i doesn't i mean that genuinely doesn't cross my mind like i i i don't know exactly what it is but i just maybe the way i grew up or or genetics or something but there's just something like i don't i don't think about not trying um but i i i do take losses hard you know mm-hmm. um i'm probably not the guy to to give people advice about like you know not taking like like i I have the last few years I have really started to get better at it, but for the vast majority of my career, um, I got too high with the highs and I got too low with the lows and I would um I would battle some serious like depression. I, it's something that I've mm. that I've struggled with since I was like single digit age, like very young. Um but even after wins it would hit real hard. Like I would it was like I have this singular purpose and focus and goal and it's like to win this fight on this day against this person this is my everything i have i'm pouring into this and it, when it doesn't happen it's 
it's heartbreaking. Then when, even when it does, um, in the past, even when it, even when it does, it's like this dump. It's like this mm-hmm. drop off. It's like, I feel aimless and I would gain like 30 pounds and I'd spend two months like partying and drinking and eating and just feeling sorry for myself and doing all kinds of other like self-destructive, self-indulgent things that, that were, it was like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I was like punishing myself or something. I was like, I don't know what it was. You know, it was, um, I'm not exactly sure what it was. I used to just have these after fights. I used to have these big, like I'd be, I'd be, I'm such an all or nothing guy. Like when I'm training hard, I'm also like going, I'm training hard. I'm eating good. I'm going to sleep good. I'm, I'm checking in on people. Like I'm calling my mom. I'm taking my dog for a walk. I'm up early. I'm a better, I'm a better friend. I'm a better lover. I'm a better, all these things. And then when you get, you fall into that like pit of despair, it's not just like, ah, yeah, I've been a little unfocused with training. It's like, dude, I haven't been training as I haven't been training how I know I need to. I've been eating how I know I need to. I haven't been, I haven't been a good boyfriend. I haven't been a good son. I haven't been a good friend. Like I, and so for the last few years, it's been really, um, one of my biggest, uh, my biggest focuses and, and really something I've become proud of is that no matter how the fight goes or no matter how anything else goes in my life, I can, I can find that sort of homeostasis where, um, Uriah says like, take the lesson, leave the experience. Right. So Mm. it's like water. He's always saying water off a duck's back, like water off a duck's back, like just roll with it, you know? Um, and so that's what I've kind of learned to do these last few years, but it took me a long time, man. It's not like, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and pretend I have like some, some like ultimate poise that like I I had it figured out. It's like, dude, I'm 32 and I just figured this out like three or four years ago. I just started figuring out three or four years ago and I still struggle with it. You know, Melissa just had to remind me after the last fight because it went about as bad as it can go. I put in all this work. I busted him out. I put every ounce of my soul into this, and then I got clipped by a random punch in 40 seconds. And I, you know, I wasn't hurt. I wasn't knocked out, but I got clipped. I got dropped, and the ref stopped the fight. And then it was like three weeks later. I, I'm just like, it's three weeks late. Like you fast, like it just goes like that, you know. And it's three weeks later, and I'm just kind of like, sort of aimless. I'm still training. I'm still eating better. I haven't gone off the deep end like I used to, but I'm definitely not as positive, not as, not as good to be around. I'm not, I'm not as focused as I was a few weeks before the fight. Um, and Melissa just had to remind me, you know, I like, so I don't want, what, I don't want to, she, what did she say? Or get, any get your, advice? Get your shit together. Like, yeah. you know, she just kind of <laughs> hit me with it. She's like, she's like, I don't want to be with someone who's fucking negative and feels like shit all the time. And is sad all the time. And it's like, you know, I'm like, well, how, how important is that to have someone in your life that can speak that kind of truth? It's super, it's so important. It's so important to have people who, people who love you, people who really love you, um, aren't almost ever going to tell you what you want to hear. Um, accountability is, is a very strong form of love, whether Mm -hmm. it's your coaches or your girlfriend or your parents or whatever. If you have someone in your life and obviously there's, you can, can, like if someone just being a dickhead to you, that's not constructive, but the people in your life that love you the most are the ones that are going to give you the real shit that you need to hear. And and I think people, especially my generation and younger, they shy away from that. Like they want to just be like coddled and a pat on the ass and like tell you want to be told you're the best. It's like, no, like you need people to tell you when you're fucking up. And if the people around you don't do that, then they're not, they don't have your best interest. You know, you need mm. people to cut it to you straight. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, uh, Daniel Cormier who came over and gave you a head nod right after, uh, you and Uriah a head nod right after the fight. 
I think he, he handles losses really hard. I mean, I do. And the reason I bring that up is I think there's got to be something about human psychology with high performers that it's, it's really hard to, to accept um, a loss. And I know that at least from my wrestling background and fighting, like there's the people that handle losses the toughest, but then come back and, and use that as fuel for training. Like they just start to excel. Cause I think it's this, probably this thing. I never want to feel this again, mm-hmm. you know, putting yeah. all this work in, but bring up DC. I have a clip. I don't know if you've seen this yet, but it was, I think just posted today. And one of the guys that, that, we saw lose. Um, he had a. It's the first time I've ever seen this in MMA, so I thought I would I would yeah. throw it up real quick. Mike, I'm queuing up that video. Uh, I don't want Andre to be able to see this. Quick breakdown of the fight for me. I break my orbital bone. Boom! Right there, 20 seconds in, he elbowed me. See, I'm grabbing my eye. I thought he poked me. It was such a weird feeling. Now the dog came and seen there, me exactly before there. the next round. Boy, get your ass out the cage. We fighting. I heard some drunk dudes in the stands cheering me on, so I figured I'd get up. I get up. I'm digging in my ear. I don't even know what's going on. We back to fighting. I'm trying to make it dirty. We throwing elbows. I'm throwing elbows. He elbows me for the three millionth time. I'm grabbing my head. Tired of getting elbowed. I'm like, stop elbowing me. He shoots on me. I sprawl. Ugh. I think I'm on to something. Make it dirty. Dirty box. Throw some more elbows. Ugh, because we throwing elbows. He elbows me for the four millionth time. I'm looking at Herb like, boy, what took your ass so long? I just was like, whoa, how big of him to come on to his own breakdown of a pretty brutal defeat. Yeah, That was Darren Wynn? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of DC's guys, huh? Yep. Yeah. Yep, and uh, I wrestled with him growing up. Yeah, he's a stud, He's a stud. He's a stud, but I was just like, whoa, that's, that's different. Yeah, that's different for a guy to break down his fight. What two days later? Yeah, with a broken orbital yeah. bone. That then, feeling is so weird, dude. Yeah, have you had that happen? No, that, that happened to me when I fought uh, Yair Rodriguez. Uh, I leaned into a jumping kick. Is like the only time I've ever been really knocked out. Like uh, this last fight, I got dropped. But when Yair hit me, I was I was I was still talking a little bit. But I was like, it was the it was the most I've been rocked. Um, I basically leaned into a baseball bat. You know what I mean? Mm. He jumping, switch kicked. Um, so something happened when I fought Yair. I know exactly what uh, what Darren is talking about. Uh, Duran is talking about. Like, um, I got, I got something. Something happened in the fight with Yair, and it's the weirdest feeling. Like I realize now. I realized after the fight it was my orbital, but I, I, I got this little orbital break. And what happens is. What I was told was that the the muscle that moves your eye gets caught on the crack in your the bone in your face, mm. and so, and so like Ouch. I didn't get hit hard, but it just fractured that it just hit right and it fractured my orbital. And I'm looking at Yair, and on my in my left eye, there's one of him, and then in my right ear, there's three of him, and they're like going like this. Wow! And I'm like fucking trying to wipe my eye, and it feels weird. It feels like the inside of your eye is like it feels like you're, it feels like a almost like a spasm or a cramp inside your face so you're like i gotta stop this and i go to wipe my eye and as soon as i lean to wipe my eyes get smacked with this kick mm. but i remember the exact feeling that he's talking about where you're just like 
it's like a yeah, it's like a bug crawling in your cheek or something. You're like I, I like even in the middle of the fight, you got to just stop and be like, "Fuck, whatever is going on." I what gotta, is this? It's yeah. so weird. Like, I, it's funny because immediately when he said that, I know that feeling, man. Mm. Yeah, and it happened again um, when I fought. I think they hadn't healed all the way probably, and it happened again when I fought uh, Artem Lobov. And that time I was like, "Nope, fuck it, I'm just." I'll fight all four of them. I don't care if there's four of them there. I don't care. Like I'm not getting, I'm not leaning into something again. I'm like, whatever. I'm, I'm keeping my eyes glued. But uh, yeah, it's like, man, anyone who, who hasn't experienced that, that orbital break is no joke. And for him to come out two days later and be able to laugh about it, I think is, it's probably like a healthier way to deal with it than most of us do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I was like, whoa, that was big of you, man. You're such a good sport, such a great sport. But um, man, so there was something interesting um, that happened. Is it was it before your last fight? There was an eight month layoff, yeah, something like that. And you had fought out your contract, or how did that go? Yeah, so I had fought out my contract, um, and my the negotiations had kind of broken down. The, the man, my manager at the time, and Sean Shelby were, you know, at odds, and and I. It's a very, it's a long, complicated story, but basically what happened is I went eight months without having a UFC contract, um, mm. and it was it was a pretty dark time for me. Um, to be honest, it was it was pretty rough. I really started like questioning things, man. Like I've never, when people say like, "Oh, I lost sleep," like I've never lost. I'm, I never thought it was like a real expression, but like I, it would keep me up at night, man. Like mm. I'm like I'm 31. I've never been a world champion. I haven't accomplished the things I set out to accomplish yet. I'm going to, but I haven't done it yet. All I've ever known is fighting. Like all I've ever been is a fighter, and now I'm not even that. Like I'm unemployed. Like technically, I'm not a UFC fighter. Um, it doesn't matter that people look at you like a UFC fighter. Like I don't have a contract. Like there's no, I don't have a contract, and there's no prospect of one anytime soon. Like no one seems to have an answer for me. And so I went eight months with no income. I went eight months with no prospect of income. I went eight months with. And I'm still grinding. I'm still doing three a days, but it's it's like it's like sprinting with no finish line, you know. And that's it's a real test for it was a real test for me to to persevere through that because you know I want to start a family. I want to. I I got bought a house. I have a mortgage now. I'm like I'm trying to move into this next phase of like being a real adult, you know. And it's hard to do that with no income. It's hard to do that when technically you know you're unemployed, and and also just like I think a. Uh, as a man, like for self-worth, you're like, what, what do you do? Like if you ask someone what you do and they don't have an answer, it's, it's kind of indicative of, of, of something. In my opinion, if you ask someone, they don't have an answer what they do. Like I'm a fighter, born, I'm a born fighter. And so to not have a contract, you know, to, to know that I'm one of the best fighters in the world and to be unemployed and, and to just go eight months of hearing like no's, you know, like every, pro, everything that kind of started to pop up got turned down or fell through and and it was just like a really really tough time for me man and i had to pull myself out of that place fight for the forgotten.org you can go check out fight for the forgotten the foundation that i started it is my passion project it is something that i love so much because of the people we get to help we get to help the pygmy tribe who adopted me in help themselves we say opportunity is greater than charity charity can be great but opportunity is just always better. That's why we've drilled something like 80 water wells already, providing over 30,000 people clean water. We've started sustainable farms, bought back over 3,000 acres of land for the people who originally owned it, put it in their name, 
we built 32 homes, and now we're about to start a health center, a school, and a marketplace. They're gonna have a maternity ward, a pediatrics unit, and a dental suite. You can join the Fight for the Forgotten Fight Club at fightfortheforgotten.org. We would love, love, love to invite you on this journey to join this fight arm in arm with us. Our fight club, it's a monthly giving club. You can give $5 or more a month, and that empowers us to empower people. Thank you for being on this journey with us. I invite you to come along for the ride. It's been absolutely epic, putting love and compassion in action and fighting for people. Fightfortheforgotten.org. Join our fight club. Yeah, and so for people that don't have a good understanding or a great understanding of the sport, when a fighter is fighting out his contract, it's um, because normally they'll try to sign you again with right. one fight left. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you choose to fight out your contract, that that is a place where it's it's a it's a bit of a gamble. Yeah, it's a you, high risk, high reward. Yeah, yeah. So you were betting on yourself. Right. Yeah. And saying, hey, I got this and I'm going to be stepping into a better contract because mm -hmm. now I have a mortgage. I'm exactly. going to build a life. I'm, I'm starting a family, all these things. And so you bet on yourself and then there's this stage and it was a no contest right yeah well, that's what that's what started the whole thing sorry no go ahead that's what that's what started the whole thing is i i had one of my best performances i think i've ever had in the cage and i didn't get not only did i not get my win on paper but i also didn't get the other half of my money so obviously yep. it, I mean, most people know this but when you fight you make a certain amount to fight and then you make double that to win mm -hmm. a so, show and a win a show and a win and and it doesn't matter that i had the best one of the best performance of my career it doesn't matter that it was a 10-8 round it doesn't matter that i hit him with everything you can hit someone with um it doesn't matter it, it's not a win and so not only do i not get my win i don't get my win money either and so it's like i had this three-month camp where i put everything every ounce of myself into it and then i had the performance that i manifested i, I had this uh, great performance and then because of some stupid thing not only was it like a small eye poke he he was i was obviously wanting to continue fighting but he was begging to continue fighting as well and for whatever reason the doctor just said uh that the fight was off you know he said he couldn't open his eye which i mean he couldn't but i also just kicked him in his eye and his eye was split open so it's like that i probably yeah. has something to do with it too you know um so it's like i i spent months like pouring my soul into this thing and then i was so close to getting that the reward right like to for, for all that hard work coming to fruition and then it gets taken from me um and, and then, then it, eight, and then it just eight months of uncertainty and then eight months of uncertainty off of that like maybe ha, like had the ipod not, poke not have happened and i finished daniel pineda and i come off this big win best performance of my career and i get this new contract and they re-sign me for more and all this stuff it's like i took that gamble and it and it it didn't pay off, you know, um, it ended up paying off, but it took a lot longer than I expected. I ended up getting re-signed. I got a nice little raise, like things are great now, but I had almost a year's worth of letdowns, like genuine, like disappointments. Like I, I didn't get my win on pay. I didn't get my win. I didn't get my win money. Excuse me. I didn't get a new contract. Um, you know, and there's all kinds of things you're missing out on when you when you don't have like when you don't have like I had these plans. You know, I had in, I, had, I was talking to friends about um, uh, these investments. Those fell through because I don't have the, the money to do that. Like I wasn't able to come out here to Texas and continue training with Donner because like 
I got to make sure rent is paid and, and not buy some flights to Texas. You know, it's expensive. Um, and so I just felt like not only was I not, not only did I not have this contract and not only did I have this, this, this like monetary thing hanging over my head, but it's like, I'm also like every day I'm getting older and I'm not doing the thing that I love. And I don't have any prospect of being able to do the thing I love. Like time is the most precious resource. Mm. It's like, and I'm just like watching the days off the calendar. Like, fuck, I got to fight. I got to fight. I got to fight. No one's got an answer for me. No one's got an opportunity for me. It's just everywhere I turn is a no. Um, so it was really tough, man. It was really tough to, um, it was a, it was a test, honestly. Yeah. And Amy, I think I'm hearing the the computer fan, maybe if we can push the microphone a little away or it might be mics, but, um, the, uh, and anytime you have a question, please jump in as well. Uh, and so with that uncertainty, now things are looking a lot better. You're preparing, uh, for something coming up. Is that able to be announced? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I found out from the internet. Like, okay, yeah. we were t like I was, I thought it was gonna happen, and then the internet posted it, and like, oh, it must be real now. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, I'm fighting Lando Venata. Yes. Uh, September 17th. It's gonna be a banger. I wanted to say it, but yes. I just so, was like, so just making to, sure. So to cap that story, I had eight months of the most uncertain and some of the lowest times of my life, and then I got re-signed, um, and then I fought again, and it did not go how I wanted. So it's like, but it, in a weird way, it was like a, it was like. It's almost like a, the universe is giving me a little reminder. It's like I was so down on myself for these eight months, like, and I and I pulled myself up and I got I started being positive. I started getting my ass in shape and I started e even better shape than I was in. And I, I refocused and it was this this eight months of like a low point that was a test. And I I came out the other side better. And then I poured my soul into another fight camp and it didn't go my way. And it was almost like the universe. I, I took it as the universe just giving me a reminder, like, dude, it can always be worse like appreciate how good you have it. Like mm. you get to do what you love. Like even if it takes eight months, you still get to do what you love. And so I'm going into this camp now against Lando Venata, just like in love with fighting. Like I get to do what I love every day, you know? And and there's gonna be ups and downs, but like, I just, I feel like I've earned it. I feel like I've earned, I've earned this happiness. I've earned the, pers the fresh perspective I have um, because I went through that tough reminder of like, man, it can be worse. And, and even when it's bad, you still get to do what you love. Like you still get, I still have a beautiful girlfriend and an awesome group of friends and a, and a beautiful, uh, support group with my family. And, and I fucking get to fist fight every day. Like it's, <laughs> it's like what, you know, it's like a, it's a nice little, sometimes universal smack you in the face and remind you like, stop fucking complaining. Like your life is awesome. And, and, um, maybe that's what I needed, you know? Yeah. So I'm excited to go back out there. I'm excited to fight Lando. I'm excited to perform. And How exciting is that fight? I mean, he, <sighs> this is one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC, both of them. Yeah. Uh, the fan favorites, everyone loves you both. Yeah. And so this Lando's is just... game is sick, dude. Yeah. He's so fun to watch fight. Like uh -huh. every time he fights, I'm, I'm, I think it's a good time to watch him fight. Um, he just fought uh, Jordan hmm. um, and he lost to Jordan. You beat. Oh, I beat, yeah, that's yeah. another guy I was going to, we, we talked about that mutual respect thing, you that sort of bond after you fight somebody. Um, and Jordan's another guy, like I lost to Holloway, I feel that. Um, I beat Jordan and I feel that he's this young kid who, who after I beat him, I, I saw on his social media and I saw, um, I just saw how hard it was for him. You know, I saw, I saw how, how, 
that first real loss is is tough, you know. Like I think he he had probably lost on the regional circuit, but he was on a little tear, you know, and he was coming to the UFC. I think off of his win, I think he'd won a fight in the UFC when he went to fight me. And real, he's fucking tough, man. That kid's gonna be have a real bright future. But I could tell how how hard it was when he lost to me for him, and so I kind of reached out and was just like, man, like this shit is a marathon, not a sprint, and you're young and you're tough and you're gonna be around a long time. And I think it's gonna be great for him to hear that from a veteran. I mean, I, I hope I hope so. You know, like I, I I hope I hope that it helped at least, or or yeah, I hope it helped. It I hope it helped. I hope it helped a little bit. I, yeah. I can't say for sure, but I hope that it helped a little bit. And um, I think the kid's real exciting, and and that's another example of that thing where one of them I was on a, a, the losing side, one of them was on the winning side. But there's that mutual respect of like once you fight someone and you go through that the, you go through the shit with someone like that you, you have an understanding of who they are as a person and you know you can't help but root for them a little bit and and, yeah. and be a little invested in there's and hope that wish success on them you know um, yeah that's great man i love that man it's it's hard for me to ever ever be in a place really with anyone to 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 root for someone's downfall it's like i always want to celebrate their victory or like yeah. like root them on to victory were you were you always that way or did you as you as you've grown older and wiser do you feel like you attained that later on or were you always that because you're a sweetheart I, you're, oh, you're such oh, a thanks. nice guy but i were you always <laughs> that way i think so but um but i think i think it's grown over time i think whenever i first came started fighting i actually in one of my first fights is my third fight i fought a guy out of the crowd or no, I was the guy out of the crowd. I was the guy in the yeah, crowd. Yeah. And uh, what an a opponent. tough night for the actual fighter. <laughs> like, hey, we're yeah. going to pull a guy out of the crowd. He happens to be a national champion wrestler. You're like, what the fuck, dude? I thought I was going to fight fucking some drunk dude at the bar. And they pull this fucking yeah. U- a legitimate U- soon-to-be UFC fighter yeah. out of the- I, I that, whoever that poor guy was, man. That, that matchmaker yeah. is a dickhead to yeah. do that to him. I, I was... Uh, I was uh, yeah, that was my fastest fight uh, I've bet. had. <laughs> and he yeah. he was legitimately there to fight. His opponent didn't show. They weighed in everything. Yeah. He was there to fight. Uh, he had had a few fights, and then I was in the crowd with like, I think I was wearing the Affliction shirt, oh, yeah. <laughs> like button down uh, jeans and like dress shoes. And I don't know why I had dress shoes on, but they were yeah. like dress shoes. Dude, and the dress shoes with the with the rhinestone affliction kinda, jeans, kind of yeah, that, and like the and the, like <laughs> it wasn't rhinestone. The rhin, dude, was, the, the, the you yeah, know you know like the a lie to kick it. yeah, it was you a know, daily. with the intricate pocket design. Yeah, it was like the the weathered <laughs> yeah. looking dress shoes yeah. that were like yeah. that was supposed to be black, vibe. but they're kind of gray and white in there, yeah. like painted looking. Like, oh, he might he might he's going to prom, but he also might like work on his truck. It's so mysterious. Like, yeah, I was nineteen and I I. My hairstylist had just named my hairstyle the mofo. Whoa. It was a faux hawk on top and a mohawk in the back. Wow. And I was like, look at me. So I show up to a fight. Yeah, I, you were I'd sick. Had... <laughs> really, yeah. It like tapered down to the point in the back. Yeah. Yeah. You I, were on a sick yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Had a, probably a little rat tail that would hang not down. Not to be trifled. Not I would to be trifled. Gel dude. in it. Um, and the first two fights, I showed up as a corner man and, uh, my fighter had a, a staph infection the first time jumped in, uh, day before the fight. Second okay. one, I show up, I'm there to, um, what weight, corner, what weight is this at? heavy. Okay, okay. I've always been heavyweight. Okay. I, I haven't been 235 since I was like no in shit. eighth grade. Okay. I thought I, for some, maybe I just wrong. I thought you fought at 205. No, oh, okay. no, I've always been heavy. And okay. so, um, I think at that time I was like 
cutting to 265. Oh, shit. Because I was, the wrestling weight class is like either 275 or 285. Right. And so I was always at the higher end of that. Yeah. Um, and then coming to fighting, I had to shed some weight. Yeah. And anyway, so the first two get in and out, uh, take them down, beat them up. And then this one, so the funny part of it is I'm, I get pulled out of the crowd because the promoter gets in there, apologizes to this guy's fans, the people that all bought tickets. Yeah. You can come back for his next fight. Um, but you know, if there's any fighters in here and so, uh, gives them the mic and he goes, if there is anyone in here over 205 pounds that has any amateur fights, pro fights, and you want to fight tonight, I came here to fight. And so they said like, raise your hand. Famous last uh, words. <laughs> and so I, I was, had a fake ID. I was three beers in. I'm, I look over at my friend and he goes, what do you think? I need this guy didn't train anything. And I slammed the beer, put it down. And I go, I'm going to fight. And he goes, yeah. he goes, what? And I go, I'm going to fight. And Dude. so I just, I just stood up and, and raised my hand. Yeah. And, uh, and they literally pulled me into the cage. I shook his hand. And then I, I, then all of a sudden it hit me yeah. and I look at the promoter and I go, did anybody else raise their hand or was it just No, you? it was just me. It's just, yeah. <laughs> just you, me. You'd yeah. be you would be real surprised how many people don't raise their hand when it's actually time to fight. You could have you'll have it you'll be at an uh, uh, Indian reservation full of dudes with face tattoos and mohawks telling war <laughs> stories about how all the bra, all this shit and then people go, uh, does anybody want to get in an actual fight? And then beep <laughs> cr crickets like You'd be real surprised how many dudes. It takes a special kind of sicko to raise their hand <laughs> in, in the crowd. So it was 2006, so the early days, right? And yeah. I don't think Iowa had a boxing commission yet um, or a state athletic commission. And we're in Des Moines, and there was a bar down the street called Toad Holler. Have you ever heard of that? No. That's where, that incredible. That's where Josh Neer got his nickname, The Dentist, because uh, people just go to the club, the bar, and it had a cage in it. Holy and people shit. would be drinking and then someone would pick a fight and then they would get in the cage and fight. Oh, yeah. And he had like 30, 40, 50, 60 fights that I way. I love that. Yeah. And so the dentist, because you knocked the guy's teeth out, they're doing the boil and bite mouthpieces, yeah. right? So I'm I'm not there. I'm at like some county fairgrounds or something like that. And uh, go in the back or I tell the promoter, I go, oh, I don't, I don't have shorts. I don't have a mouthpiece. I don't have a cup. I don't have anything. He goes, we'll, we'll get you squared away. And I'm like, all right, is there like a Walmart? Yeah. And I think, anyways, there, the store was far. It was closed because it was like, I don't know, 9, 10. And so I have to borrow. Uh, uh, well, someone had a boil and bite mouthpiece. Okay. I warmed it up in a coffee pot nice. um, and, and got it to kind of form to my mouth. I um, found some shorts. And then for the cup, you have to have a cup. Um, I had to borrow a... A light heavyweights, sweaty jock strap oh. and cup from a three round Holy war God. of a fight, just drenched. Oh. So I, I wore the cup on the outside of my yeah, my boxers, not even the compression boxers, right? Yeah. Like I'm just like, what am I doing? But I was excited. Yeah. And so I think it was like 16 or 19 seconds or something like that. So sat him yeah. down. Yeah, he was a wrestler, so yeah. I knew when he was gonna level change. Like yeah. I just took my lead leg back and threw an uppercut and that's oh, kind of, and then sat I, him down. yeah, sat him down and TKO. Uh, but anyways, it, fighting is, it's a circus. It's a circus. This is it's the fun. thing. I, I was just talking to some, someone about this. You can, you can make, I was talking to Rory McDonald about this with PFL because they're, they're, they're modeling it after like a real sports league with points and mm. a, a season. It's a cool thing that they're doing. And a million dollar prize. And a million dollar, which is pretty fucking rad. A uh, million dollars is pretty cool. Um, 
but it doesn't transfer over directly. Mm. Like fighting will never be football. It'll never be baseball, never be basketball. Fighting will always be a little bit WWE. It'll always be a fucking circus. And I love it. It's beautiful. You can but you can put as many corporate sponsors and you can try to shape it and mold it and fit into this like ESPN like sports center like here's a here's a quick re recap of like you can try to mainstream it as much as possible and and it's good and and it's the direction the sport should head but it'll it will always be a little bit of a fucking circus <laughs> and I like that about it and even if you even if someone doesn't I don't think you can change it like the type of people who become fighters are a special breed of people. The type of people who want to be around fighting all day are a special breed of people. And I don't think, I don't think you can change that. You know what I mean? I think you see it. It's I think it's closer to a sport like skateboarding, where mm. you might have like Nike sponsored athletes, and you have these. And it's in the Olympics now, and it's become more mainstream. It's like a just a part of our culture, part of pop culture. But if you hang around real skaters and you hang around skate culture, like they're fucking wild animals. And I don't think it'll ever change. And I and I I think the same applies to MMA. And I hope it stays that I hope it stays that way. Yeah. And you am I wrong, but you're both fighter and I wouldn't skater say that. I wouldn't I would not call myself a skater, but I do okay. enjoy skating. Okay. Yeah. Um I'm like uh I can skateboard better than like a regular dude. If you went and pulled the dude off the street, I could skate better than him. But if you like got a kid who actually skates, he would laugh at me. You know what I'm okay. saying? Like I, I like mostly hang out and cheer for my friend. Woo, you're doing great! <laughs> like, like yeah, tap the board on the top on the on the top of the ramp. Yeah, you fucking killing it. Well, well, let's go back to when did you decide to skate? I'm going no, to, <laughs> to fight? Like where where that come from? When I mean, were you were you 17, 18, or were you like 10 years old and saying I'm going to be a UFC fighter? Yeah, somewhere in the middle, closer to ten. I mean, I was I was not quite seventeen. I was I was like thirteen, probably. I, I, I was thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Sick. It's a beautiful thing when you see something and you just know, like, that's what I'm gonna do. Like, yeah. But I, it's it's weird because even as a kid, like, I remember I wouldn't watch cartoons if they didn't have fighting. Hmm. Like, I didn't care about anything but fighting as a kid. Like, I only wanted to like Ninja Turtles, Batman fighting it was just like if it, there was no fighting i wouldn't watch it like i remember i remember the cartoons that didn't have fighting and i just wouldn't i wouldn't watch them and and i just thought fighting was the coolest thing and um then i saw the first season of ultimate fighter when i was like 13 and i was mm. like and i was like yep that's it i think i saw uh the first season of ultimate fighter and then for the ultimate fighter i used to watch on this little sony like smaller than the the <laughs> camera like this little sony in my bedroom this little sony tv and I would watch it um, after school. I'd watch on Spike TV, and I would watch the Ultimate Fighter. And then for the finale, it was like the finale. It was Forrest Griffin and Stephen, Stephen Bonner. Bonner, and then it was Ken Dude. Shamrock versus um, versus no, it was Ken Shamrock versus uh, Rich Franklin. Oh yes. And That's I remember right. just being like, why the fuck would you do anything but this? Like, this is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Like, how does no one get how cool? Like, I was like, this is it. Like, I, I remember watching it and I remember thinking like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Hey, don't forget to send your overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.